0: Thank you for uh, upsetting me before I preach, Michael. What a great song, right? Whew. So it's going to take me a minute to get um, sorted out here. Uh, I'm going to begin. Uh, you notice if you are a bulletin note taker. Hi, guys. Welcome from uh, Georgia, you guys that are up, and everybody else. Uh, I'm going to have to do, uh, I I left a lot of space today because I figured I don't have a lot of verses. That's unusual for me, right? Not to have a lot of verses. But I left lines for you to write because I figured maybe something I say in the next, well, I've got almost an hour, three hours in the next three hours, no, Um, (laughs) will trigger some thoughts you might want to write down and maybe do something about. So I think that's a that's a good possibility the first thing I, I i did very good baptist sermon uh crafting today dr ashley will be proud of me because uh, he is a much more care- he is a more careful crafter of sermons i'm just going on record to say you are uh, i think he does a better job than i do of crafting his sermons and so i've got what's that are you arguing with me? This is a bad idea on my last big hurrah here. Um, can I move back just a little? Am I okay on the screen if I move back just a thank you? Right. Wow, yes. Thank you so much. And uh, the reason being is I want to be able to preach at my family too, because they're over here, or at least make eye contact on occasion. And I was used up at, uh, Harmony, uh, up at Union Center. I, we used to preach in the round, and I loved it. I really did. So... Anyway, felicitations. I figure if Paul, the apostle, can fill Holy Scripture at times with greetings and thankfulness and comments about brothers and sisters, it's probably okay for me to do that. What do you think? Okay, that was enthusiastic. And, uh, and so I'd like to start by doing that. Felicitations, greetings, and thanks for a number of things. And Since this is my final message, before my final, final message, which precedes my final, final, final message, which will be at Dr. Ashley's installation service, I want to make my thanks and felicitations now. So let me recognize some people if I could and a lot of folks have come down all the all the folks that came down from binghamton today if they would just could you stand let let them stand for a minute look at all the binghamtonians thank you guys some of them were related to me too so not only spiritually but by marriage and uh, so we're glad you're here. And my family is up here, but I got, I got to start at the beginning because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this young lady up here in the front, who's 92 yet. My mother. Oh, no, 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 you got to stop. Huh? I beat you out. You beat me out. She got more plus, sit down anyway. Yeah, I want to thank her for not killing me when I deserve to be killed a number of times in my hippie wild drug days and all of that. What have you been doing? Nothing, Mom. Anyway, I'm still here, thankfully. Uh, My kids... Uh, my my, uh, sons and daughters and spouses, one couldn't make it, she's sick today, and her husband, Matt and Stacy, but uh, my kids just make sure they know who you are. So why don't you stand one more time? And your your spouses are allowed. One's missing, another one's missing. Um, Thank you. So, um, we were at, this is going to be a hard morning, um, we were at uh, Union Center for 22 years. Hard to believe, right? And it went like that. And uh, we saw some really glorious times up there, didn't we? Uh, God moving and just so exciting. And um, so we have a lot of history there. Uh, the major part of our lives and raising our kids was there. And um, one fine lady, some of you might remember Cindy Randall, she wrote a card to my wife my wife got it she still has it thanking all of our kids crap <laughs> that's a that's a that's a bible word by the way <laughs> it's it the translation in hebrew is shakutz but that's another thing so um anyway uh for taking second place so many times when I've been called out and uh, had to leave and couldn't even have dinner at a public restaurant because so many people at times wanted to chat. You guys remember? So thank you for that. And uh, if you belong to him, you won't lose your reward if you have a good spirit especially about it, which I don't yet, but I w- no, I do. <laughs> Uh, the privilege of serving God and uh, some of the costs that people don't often think about. And then, uh, probably most importantly, um, my wife. Woohoo! Um, uh, I'm so, I'm, I am so grateful for the people who came down, that shows I have a lot of people buffaloed, you know, that have come down from upstate. Uh, but there is a lot of love there that we have grown to appreciate so much uh, some of um, one of the things I want to say about Sherry is that first of all she 's had to put up with listening to me, and I mean that was work. How many of you in your homes you know, one 's a talker, the other one is the listener she admits she 's a talker. She's the listener and oh my goodness, am I a talker and uh, all my complaints how much a few of you in the room Oh, there's a couple of brothers and sisters here, but especially a couple of brothers that have heard me complain and wrestle through things and rah 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 and she's had to do it 50 times more And uh, by the way, she finally earned her her stars her wings if you will because here For the first time in all of our years in ministry, here for the first time, thanks to, I won't mention any names, Lisa Brown, but uh, she was christened the Most Holy Reverend Mother. (laughs) And it has stuck. (laughs) And she really has, in this last uh, decade, come into her own and and, uh, been a, a positive encouragement to so many, I know. And so we're just grateful for all of that. So, thank you. Um, I want to say thank you to Harmony as a whole. Uh, there's a beautiful wedding reception set up in there, and uh, I don't know who got married, but I guess we're gonna go in and eat the food later. So, uh, but whoever was, the people in the room who helped make all that happen, could you just stand for a second? I want to thank you. They're all in there. and everybody in the room. So Harmony, thank you and, and for those who were with us um, uh, up north uh, my, my, t- my tenure was uh, a great experience but leaving at the end was kind of bittersweet, right? There was some pain involved as well as joy and I want to thank Harmony that on the end of this kind of difficult beginning and much happier ending of my tenure, we're exiting with absolute joy, really. And so thank you, Harmony. I love you guys. Thank you. And I don't know what else will be said later, but I'm glad I'm getting this out of the way now. And if I forget anybody, shame on me. And, uh, but I want to just say thank you to all of you who have made it happen. Um, I wanna mention a couple of sorries. I'm sorry about a couple of things, okay? Michael mentioned it, Pastor Dennis keeps pushing on me, Pastor Tim, other people. Um, You really spoke life to me the other day in the hall, quoting from that uh, movie that we can't recommend, although it's outstanding, can't recommend it, and that is, uh, what was the name of it? Schindler's List. Boy, there's a phenomenal scene at the end of that movie. He's rescued so many Jewish families from the Nazi Holocaust, and he's talking at the end, and he says, what about the car? We should have sold the car. We could have gotten 10 more people out with with the car. What about this ring? This pin is gold. And Dennis spoke life to me because I often feel like I haven't really done that much. I haven't accomplished that much, and, They kept speaking life to him. Mr. Schindler, there will be generations because of what you've done. And uh, thank you for those who have spoken life to me that uh, I I got a couple of things right. Maybe two or three. Thank God, right? So I'm sorry you kind of caught me, hired me as your interim pastor. Ha ha. (laughs) Didn't work. At the at the later part of my life, when my energy was down, I, I was kind of out of gas, even spiritually and emotionally, when I started. You got me all riled up now, but it's too late. I already turned in a resignation, but, and you got a good man to take my place, so that was sovereignty. Um, but I'm sorry about having a low energy and Vertigo events occasionally. I remember the morning uh, the Wilson missionaries had to come and do everything because I was losing my toenails It was so bad and uh, I don't like that happening and interrupting the flow But that's what it where it's at. So I also I'm kind of sorry at times Maybe I've held back where I should have spoken life Let me change the words jacked you up a little bit on some things that we could have fixed earlier But I know you're gonna have to fix now and that'll be a good thing and I'm my encouragement today is I don't want to park on negatives. I want to really park on the fact that we can do this. We can step up to the plate and make it happen and uh, see souls impacted for the sake of Jesus. Um, and if I have, I know this is almost impossible, but if I have offended anyone here. Wait a minute. I've got to get my tongue out of my cheek here. Huh? <laughs> If I have, though, seriously, I wouldn't want to leave with that unresolved. So let me just invite you. I am not nasty. When people come and say, you hurt my feelings with this, I'll say, I am really sorry. Unless you deserved it. But then I say, no, I'm sorry you're hurt anyway. I want to love on you and and, uh, build you up in your most holy faith. So I just put that out there uh, to make sure I've closed out anything. And if I've forgotten anybody, the teams that make things happen, Mike, you know, Uh, You and your guys making all this happen, some of the heroes that are in the room, you know who you are, I've already told you because uh, you took seriously what I was trying to do and I appreciated it, I really do. So those are my stories and uh, I look back on the fact that uh, the MLT when I first got here even though we were in hurting condition and I'm going to read a little bit of that because of a great email I got from one of our brothers sitting in the room this morning, we, we had a tough beginning when I got here, right? We were in a hurting condition. And that they had the vision or the stubbornness, I don't know what it was, to stick with it and say, no, we think God wants to do something. And I didn't even know. You know, when people asked me, do you want to stay, not just be interim? Do you want to stay? I was like, well, no, I don't know. I don't know. But I'll pray about it. And I did. And uh, I just had this inkling that, God was saying, yeah, even though he didn't command me. And uh, so here we are all this time later, and there are stirrings happening in this room. People hungry for God. Some of the last few weeks in our series, the questions have been great. People are processing the dynamics of spiritual life, and it's just been encouraging. So thanks be to God for his grace, right? And so that brings me to the title of my sermon, which is Language Borrowed language borrowed and Here's where I got it And I really appreciate the worship team doing a great job with those songs today Awesome awesome songs. Oh sacred head now wounded Anybody remember that old hymn? Attributed to Bernard of Clairvaux sacred head now wounded with grief and shame weighed down It's a uh, great hymn for communion services but here's the, um, here's the line that's stuck in my mind. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? It's talking to Jesus, if you haven't picked up on it. What language can I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? O make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to Thee. That's my prayer. As old and decrepit as I get, may I never outlive my love for Jesus. Because this is intended today to point toward the one who rescued us. I hope our celebration isn't just about a human being. It's about Jesus, right? And his work through us, in us, for us all of that together now the language that i borrowed is the language of the apostle paul so let me put the verse on the screen if i may and here it is it's second timothy chapter four now i know your bulletin says 1 timothy and that was on me i got that thing into the office so quickly i didn't look carefully it was supposed to be second Do you all forgive me for that Now, as a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 4 is almost parallel, so it works anyway. So, see, I did it on purpose, not really. (laughs) The first part of this text is an exhortation from Paul to Timothy, his son in the faith. Now, my brother Dennis isn't quite that, my son in the faith, by any means, but he's taking over behind me, and so I'm kind of speaking to him, right? May I? Please. Good. Well, because I don't get to do it at your installation, someone else is going to pick on you. And here's what he says. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The other one says, the parallel text in First Timothy, don't neglect the gift that's in you by the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Fulfill your ministry. Same type of language, right? And uh, so that's the job. And then Paul goes on to say this. For I am already being poured out as a a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Now I'm not planning to die. Just so you know. He's saying this because he knows he's about to be martyred. It comes out in different places in the scripture. Jesus is speaking to the The manifested saints, remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration and they are encouraging about the time of his departure. Peter knows he's going to be martyred. He talks of his departure. Paul knows it's coming, he speaks of his departure. But I told you, I'm borrowing this language, okay? The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I hope. I have finished the course, not totally yet. I have kept the faith, that I have. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And here's what I want you to hear, brothers and sisters. But not only to me. Everybody listening? But not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All who have loved You know, if you love his appearing, it's not about... Prophecy conferences, and ooh, I hope it's tomorrow so that we don't have to live with this rotten stuff that's going on in the political world. No. Loving is appearing means I'm busy about serving him, waiting excitedly for him to show up because I know that I'm in his favor. I know I'm doing what he wants me to do. I want to hear, right? Well done. Good and... You knew that. All right. So I wanted to read that passage, I wanted to steal it, if you will, from Paul, just to launch into some things that I want to talk about today. And I I was sharing with somebody recently, and, and they spoke, you know, sometimes when we're transparent about what we struggle with, it helps other people. When I read that thing, I have kept the faith. Does anybody else ever have seasons where you're going, are you up there? Or, is this even real? How do you know we're not just all massively deluded? Anybody else ever struggle with that? Well, even your preacher who has seen the finger of God in his history, struggles with that on occasion. And I think the unbelief of our culture has made it even worse. It kind of weighs down on us, okay? Doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Are you with me? Doesn't mean you're a good Christian either, but uh, (laughs) you you have to sort that out for yourself. right we all struggle and there are other areas where we wrestle so with that in mind i want to talk for a moment about um oh and by the way i I had to thank you for a couple more things before i'm done and i move to my next point my next point is follow-up because we've been so engaged in this series that we just finished those of you are visiting we have just finished a series on the spiritual gifts and as we talked about spiritual gifts, it provoked thoughts about well, how do, I, how do I walk in the spirit and how do I get victory over temptation and how do I win against the enemy and warfare and all of that was wrapped up in it. How could you avoid it, right? So let me just thank you for a couple more things. One, Tim and uh, uh, Dennis and whoever else worked on put these little cards together. I'm, now, I'm, now I'm hysterical. I mean historical. I've got uh, our little history of our lives and uh, Sherry and I, she makes me look good on the front. That's the picture that was taken up at camp. Did you know that? Corey? right there. That's the one from uh, Tracy. So it tells our story. And if you're wondering, the verse at the bottom is my life verse. "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding." I actually heard that for the first time I was visiting a cult. Where are the Millers? Millers here? Right? <laughs> They don't run the cult. They, were, they had been in it once, and uh, they are true believers, and uh, some of our karate colleagues over there. Uh, but that, that group, the uh, Way Foundation for Biblical Research, I went to one of their meetings, right, and uh, heard the preacher, and they did a pretty good job of running church. I heard the preacher use that verse. I didn't buy into everything else. They don't believe Jesus is God, for example. I have a problem with that. I hope you do, too. But I heard that verse, and it lodged in my soul, and it has been there ever since. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can have knowledge up the wazoo. We've got our knowledge at our fingertips everywhere, but no wisdom. The fear of the Lord is where you start, and you work from there forward. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's the second half. So that's that one. Thank you, Tim and Dennis, for making that happen, especially Tim. He did the running around even with the reverb. He's sleep deprived today, I think, most likely, right? And the last thing. I promised you at different times I was going to show you some of my collections. Over the years, I've collected all kinds of stuff. My office is so full of Yodas It would take 45 minutes for me to show you all that, and that would not be exactly edification from the scripture for the morning. Help you, I will. (laughs) But I have collected hats. I'm kind of weird. I don't wear them very often, but I like to collect them. My son works for Lowe's. He's gotten me at least four different versions of their hats. I won't mention the one we talked about last night. Um, Union Center, remember this one? Doctor Duh. I used to say, "Here's what it says, Duh." Used to? Used to? <laughs> I reverted at Harmony. I got yelled up, yelled at up at Union Center for using it. Someone came out. You're telling us we're all dumb? <laughs> okay. Not really, but okay. So I backed off, and then here I started to feel real liberty with you, brothers and sisters. So, duh. <laughs> anyway, the other one was this favorite. I told you I'd wear this one day. I know everything. That's what it's. Uh, I know everything, brothers. I hope none, no, brothers and sisters. I hope none of you could wear this in a clear conscience. <laughs> Because nobody knows everything. There are some things in the scripture I know an awful lot about. There's a lot of stuff I still don't totally understand. There's nobody knows everything about everything. Or anything, actually. Nobody knows it. Let me say it right. Nobody knows everything about anything. I saw that in a fortune cookie a couple of weeks ago. I read it. To you. <laughs> but it's true. It doesn't matter where you got it. Now, here's the funnest one. Is that a, it is now? Funnest... The funnest one I got here, and I don't know who gave it to me. The sermonator. (laughs) The sermonator. I'll be back. Okay, so I got that out of the way. Next section, follow-up. I have a picture. This has been our theme through through the series on spiritual gifts. There is a certain parallel, even with that kind of gift, because and what i 'm doing right now, just hang on for me for a minute. I just want to clean up some of the stuff we talked about that was still hanging, and uh, we have gifts, and we need to unpack them and discover in fact, somebody asked me some questions about it. let me read one of them right here uh, it. Can you have a spiritual gift come on once? Or are there spiritual gifts given and are they permanent? Yes. The, the answer is yes. I love that. Yes for both things. Sometimes the gifts of the Spirit move on us. One time I have experienced certain things just on a rare occasion. Like we've told stories about some occasionally when a healing took place. And uh, some of the Union Center folks might remember uh, the Randalls. You know, that, that Ken was Rescued from death itself in the hospital, and lasted uh, six more years uh, to the glory of God. It was a great thing. But that I don't. I don't run a healing ministry. I don't go on television and say, "And if you send in your seed money now, we will, we will send you my handkerchief and it'll heal you." And we don't do any of that, right? It's a one-time thing. Other gifts have been given to you permanently. Every saint has one that they should use to help build the kingdom in whatever form it might be and when given a gift do you use it it's is it prompted some gifts obviously like the gift of discernment or the gift of the word of knowledge or anything like or even the prayer of faith or a healing gift would have to be prompted by the Spirit it's not like we go to the tap turn it on anytime we want to make magic happen it's under the authority of God and so it has to be prompted and then there are others that you know what your gift is you see there's a need and you know that your gift will fit that slot. You just get up and do it. It's obedience, right? And so it makes perfect sense that way. So, you know what? There's a lot of questions about gifting and um, I think the leadership have been talking about possibly finding a grid to, for people to work through to discover their gifts. So I'm gonna leave that for them and uh, the Q and A's for them. And uh, if you have questions that I can answer before I'm, uh, I've departed officially at the end of the year, you know, you can email me and I'd be happy to respond. Um, now, I, wanna, I know that some of that series struck a nerve. And so I want to just last moment comment. And maybe if you're coming in here cold, there will be some quickening for you when you, when you hear this. And that is how to stand against... Uh, opposition, sin, uh, sin, whatever it might happen to be. If you um, remember, we looked at this verse previously. This is uh, Galatians chapter 5. I didn't read it all last time. Remember this? The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are? Immoral, immorality, impurity, central. I Go down the list. We don't have to read it all. Down, it's bottom half. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Everybody has this memorized, right? Or you will have it memorized after this morning. Gentleness, self control, against such things there is no law. Do I know what all those words mean? Then how do you know you're not doing it? Or you are doing it? My point is uh, this is where we need to quicken our own spirits at times and sort out and discover am I up against something? And I don't realize that that's what it is because until I know what it is, it's hard to say, I don't want that, right? So I have to learn, as we talked about last time, the discipline of the thoughts. And I gave you that little grid. If I'm tempted 10 times and I'm losing 8, 9, 10 times out of 10, I've got a problem. If I'm struggling and I only lose the battle once or twice, you know, in a week, let's say, okay, that's probably my sin, my, my average, my normal inclination, if you will, rather than an enemy pressing on us. We used to give out a a, a sin list in counseling people up north. Here's an example, just uh, two two pages of stuff. Jealousy, who wants to talk about that? Being resentfully suspicious of a rival. Begrudging others what they have. Discontent because of another's advantages. I mean, what happens when somebody else gets the glory and you don't? You worked on it, for crying out loud. Well, you're awfully quiet. Okay, <laughs> the word sensuality was up there. Do we understand what that is? Anything, let me give you the definition. This is all It probably could be updated. Overeating, overdrinking, drinking addiction, overuse of smoking, drugs, alcohol, oversleeping, procrastination, apathy, excessive self-indulgent, preoccupation with bodily pleasure, blah, blah, blah. Anything where my body's ruling me rather than the other way around is sensuality. See, we always hear that word, we go, oh, that's dirty, that's sex stuff. No, it's anything where my appetite, my body runs me rather than me running my body. So, is there power in the gospel to give me victory over that? I just want to say amen. There most assuredly is. But sometimes you have to get up and go, boom, You got to get up off the couch, right? And bring it under control, just like parenting. Kids are hanging off the chandelier and everything else, and you're sitting there, hey, I'm watching TV, keep it down. (laughs) No, 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 get up and take charge. (laughs) Bring it to an end, right? I also wanted to clarify, there's a difference between besetting sins and just general temptation. We all have areas, if we know ourselves, where we know we have an inclination Sort certain thing. And I already told you about mine. So you have to distinguish between what's besetting and what is just coming at you out of the blue. And sometimes I get attacked out of the blue and I go, that's baloney. I know that that's temptation from the enemy. Get lost. And it's gone. Whereas if it's a besetting sin or if it's an area where I have a bondage and I need fellow prayer warriors to help me with it, I find it harder to win that battle. But you got to push back. That's the whole point. I think we've gotten so used to being passive as a TV culture, right? We just said, "No, okay, now how do I feel after that? Well, make up your mind how you want to feel about it. You can change it, right? You can choose it. So roots, uh, roots are sometimes triggers of things that have wounded us or whatever from the past, and because of that, we have certain knee-jerk reactions. Like for me, it was anger, and it came out of our broken home and my father's violence. I told you about that already. We all have some of that. And the root creates outward behavior that, as Dr. Ashley wisely calls, the presenting problem. That's only the presenting problem. That's not the reason that this keeps coming out. You have to go dig down and... Bring healing and the power of the blood into that history, into the root. Christians mistakenly say to themselves, oh, I like that verse Paul says, forgetting what's behind. Don't look back. Forgetting, that's not what he means. You have to look back and put it under the blood and get the victory of Jesus working for you. Okay? You have to do that. And then you press on. You stop Sitting on my laurels, oh, I had a great success 10 years ago serving the Lord. Now I don't have to do it anymore. That's what he's saying you don't do. I press on toward the mark. And let's see, what else do I want to say? I don't know. Do you know what I want to say? Okay. There are times to have co-prayer warriors with you to pray you through. There are times to look for the people with the gifts that can help you, whether it's a gift of the spirit of wisdom or knowledge or discernment. Or the you know a healing an emotional healing gift it's those are the people you want wrapped around you okay and um, and I think I'm done I already told you the chart so enough let me just encourage you if you're hungry to walk forward in the spirit just obey the next thing that he shows you that's all you really have to do you don't have to figure out ten years from now just obey the next thing he shows you <clears throat> Learn as you go. That's how I did. I learned as I went. I had all kinds of experiences that God used to, um, to build me up in my most holy faith. I want to tell you one last story, and then I'm going to give you the real sermon of the day. Oh, boy. I heard. Was that you? That was my wife. So let me tell you, I'm saying, oh, boy, too. But I remember hearing a, uh, a British preacher, Stuart Briscoe. Some of you might know his name. Good guy, right? And, of course, anyone with a British accent is always more spiritual than I am. I remember him teaching one day, and I loved this story. He finished his sermon, and this lady, who I'm sure herself was full of the Spirit. I'm not sure which one, but she came up and said, I just want to know, are you filled with the Spirit? <laughs> he looked at her. He said, no. Huh! So off she went, ready to share that vital information, I'm sure. And Stuart Briscoe said, if she had just waited five minutes, she could have asked me again, and I would have said yes. In other words, spiritual breathing is that easy. Her question was offensive. It was, it was pugilistic. She was looking for trouble. And it set him off, and he went, ooh. Can you imagine a preacher reacting like that? But he didn't sin. He he confessed his anger, reappropriated, breathed back in the clean air of the Holy Spirit, and he was filled again. It's that easy, brothers and sisters. You hear me? It's that easy. We quoted Wesley this morning. He once was rebuked by some woman who came up and said, I don't like the length of your tie. And he took a scissor and he said, here, cut it off where you like it. (laughs) And then when she was done cutting his tie, he said, now will you stick your tongue out and allow me to... Oh, never mind. (laughs) Okay, my last point. They were mean back then. You think I'm mean. You don't know anything. Yeah, they they were nasty back in those days. All right, an exhortation. Uh, The thing that I have, um, my motivational gift, if you will, prophetic if it is, has always been to give life, to have healthy churches develop so that there are good, godly nurseries for new babies to come into and we'll see what it's like to follow Jesus. That's been my drive. I'm not as much an evangelist, although I think there'll be a few people in heaven because of our watch here. But I want to see healthy, lively churches. So my encouragement as I'm on my way is make that happen. But not by the arm of your flesh, as Mike was referencing earlier. You can't pay for it. We have these mistaken ideas sometimes, you know, we get the right guy, that's how it started for us, I think. Get the right guy down here, he does his magic. While everybody else can keep their private little sins and kingdoms to themselves, it's not going to work. Can't do it by the arm of the flesh. Glenn Peterson kind of blessed me a bit here. Here's his uh, email to me a while back. You happened to join us many years ago at Harmony during our lowest and, in my humble opinion, saddest time. We were working on prescriptions to heal and recover, and I was looking for your thoughts to the progress made and the top three or so items we need still to pray into to correct our hearts. And uh, based on your expertise and your intimate knowledge of the Harmony Church, what would be offensive to God, blah, 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 right? So sorry, he didn't write blah, blah, blah. I said that. We can't ignore it because it'll hold back our ability to impact the community. I want to thank you for that, Glenn. Okay, And uh, I had more that I said to him on the phone this last week because I got his permission to say this. And um, the encouragement for me was, one, I want to read to you the prescriptions that we had and how far we've come. So that's the business end. The spiritual end is that there is a stirring of the spirit So that even what I've been teaching, I had a brother tell me back there at the sound booth last Sunday, you've been saying some of the same stuff for eight years. Anybody notice that? For eight years, I am pressing in on spiritual formation, and this brother said, I'm just now hearing it. God is calling to us, brothers and sisters. He's wanting us to lay hold of him, get in the game, to have fun. I'm telling you, Christianity is fun. I'm sorry it wasn't for you. <laughs> Prescriptions. Number one, corporate and personal confession, a solemn assembly. Pastor Bricker led us through one. I led us through another. I'm just going to tell you, I think you might have to do one more. Okay. Okay. We do we do what Pastor John said let's all write these letters of restitution. I don't know how many people. I know it helped some folks. How many owned it fully? Whatever I have to do to get thoroughly right with God or my brothers, someone I have offended, whatever it might be, I'll do it. That's a solemn assembly. Prescription 2. Here's the next assignment. This is what hasn't been. Now let me let me uh, jump down first. Engage an in intentional interim. <laughs> So you did, okay, and uh, he didn't stay uh, interim very long, adopt the prescriptions, which you already did, and then create missional balance, a balance between biblical inward spiritual development and outward evangelistic outreach, that is happening now, there's hunger here in this room for looking outward to the lost, Yay! So those things are happening. So here's what's left. And Dennis, this mission, if you should choose to receive it, will self-destruct, no, it won't self Develop and define a church identity. Shared core values, we've worked on it before, we haven't nailed it down well. Biblical mission, compelling vision, and then align all your ministries. Just those two things are hanging. Clarity. And align all your ministries to go with that. So that's what you got ahead of you. It can be done. All right? It can be done. But here's the point I want to make. I'm going to, I'm going to read a, a one more verse. Give me five more minutes if I could. May I? Five minutes? Sherry? Are, are we going to ruin our party if I take five more minutes? Whew. Okay. The Most Holy Reverend Mother has spoken, and so. <laughs> Somebody I know named, I think his name's Joe. He's on the worship team, I think. Uh, He wrote me an email a couple weeks ago. Said, I read this verse. Here it is. Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown. And he could do do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was astounded at their unbelief. He was astounded. What can hold God back? In the absolute sense, nothing, right? Everybody gets that. But let's be real. What holds him back? And the answer, class. And how does it manifest? It manifests in our thinking and in our actions or lack thereof. He was astounded. And so he was restricted, restrained. Remember, Jesus did his ministry the way we do, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was restrained. I've quoted Loveless quite a bit. I love the guy. And um, he's made some mention about where often churches have, you know, the law, second law of thermodynamics, we go from repair to disrepair, right? And Left to ourselves, couch potato sets in. And, uh, and we're not, ta- I'm not talking about busy, busy bees. I think churches have burned out too many people because we try to do it in the arm of the flesh rather than is the spirit carrying us along and moving us forward. So he said the ultimate concern, and by the way, this is the most negative thing I'm going to say this morning. Can you believe that? My mother doesn't believe it. Okay. <laughs> The ultimate concern of most church members is not the worship and service of Christ and evangelistic mission and social compassion, but rather survival and success in their secular vocation. The church is a spoke on a wheel of life connected to the secular hub. It's a sub-concern. Church members who have been... This is the line if you never hear anything else from him. This is the one you need to hear. Church members who have been conditioned all their lives to devote themselves to building their own kingdom and whose flesh naturally gravitates in that direction anyway find it hard to invest much energy in the kingdom of God. It's what we're seeing today in the light of COVID. I'm just being blunt. It's just revealing what's in us. They go to church once or twice a week, punch the clock, so to speak, fulfilling their church obligation by sitting passively, listening critically or approvingly to the pastor's teaching. I have a picture here. Rob Portlock used to be in Leadership Magazine. He's preaching and he says, of course, feel free at any time to let me know what you think of my job as your pastor, you know, five two, negative one, whatever, the cards go up. I know it's hard to see. It's an old copy, old, old, old. But the point I'm making is we need to press into God desperately for our thinking to be changed as well as our action. Thinking first, brothers and sisters, then action follows. So I'm encouraging us That we need to be manifesting clearly dependence upon God himself. We can't do it in our flesh. I've been encouraging us about that. We have prayer meetings after church on Sunday morning. That's not the solution in itself, but it's a beginning. To be pressing in and asking, God, we can't do this. We're desperate for you to help us to reach out to those who are lost and bring them into the family. And that the disciples think like God's people. And are changed as well. There is a stirring. And there is a hunger. And I'm thrilled about it. And we need to continue to learn to wrestle with God in prayer. There's, Let me be clear. There's what you can do. And then there's only what God can do. And that's the part we need. There's what you can do. But there's the part that only God can do. And that's what we need. So let me close with this story. I'll save my Ortberg for another time. It's, uh, it's really good. You tell me. You're, you're in charge. Okay, here we go. You know, I talk about revivals occasionally, so let me cut this very short. In the Hebrides, there was a revival on an island called Barvis, but the, how it came is Duncan Campbell, a favorite famous preacher, was going to go there, but he didn't want to go originally. And so, two laborers in prayer now not everybody has the same gifting not everybody's going to pray the same but you can always link your spirit with those who are praying and say amen when you read in the new testament they lifted their voices to god and said lord you who created that that's not everybody reciting a written out prayer they're all agreeing with somebody who was leading them everybody got it so get your Leadership-inclined-type, faith-type people to pray and get on board. Get on the wagon. Okay? Glad you're all excited about that. Okay. So, Campbell said, no, I don't think it's a good idea. But two people, Peggy and Christine Smith, 84 years old, 82 years old, spoke only Gaelic. Peggy was blind and her sister was bent double with arthritis. God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise Campbell said, I don't want to go. Peggy said, nope, she'd have none of it. You love this story. I told it at prayer meetings, but I'm sure you've forgotten it by now because she tells him off. Wouldn't you love to tell your pastor off? Anyway, <laughs> she said, nope, you're going to come. I will not let thee go unless you bless Barvis. Duncan Campbell wrote and said, nope, I can't come. That's what the man says, she said. God has said otherwise. Write him again. He will be here within two weeks, and he was. He preaches one night in the church, and while he's preaching, these two ladies are on their knees wrestling with God. Here's the language of their wrestling. We struggled through the hours of the night, refusing to take a denial. Listen to that. Refusing no. You now, God can say no, but they're on to something. God, we're not taking no for an answer. Had he not promised and would he not fulfill, our God is a covenant-keeping God and must be true to his covenant engagements. Did he fail us? Never. Before the morning light broke, we saw the enemy retreating and our wonderful lamb take the field. And in the church, revival broke out. And here's the story, the end of the story. Duncan accepted her rebuke, preached the gospel, He knelt with Peggy and the dear intercessor said, Lord, you remember that you told me this morning that in this village you are going to save seven men who will be pillars in the church of my fathers. I have given your message to Mr. Campbell and he seems not prepared to accept it. Oh, Lord, give him wisdom because he badly needs it. (laughs) And when he was done preaching, by the time he was through, many were mourning for their sins and among them, Peggy's seven men. I say, get on it. Right? Don't take no for an answer. And I can't resist this because our whole thing about gifts was everybody get on board. And you know what? Our pastors have shared a little article that came out. They're not coming back, you know? The church has been emptied out after COVID. So what? I don't know if you remember a guy named Gideon or a guy named David. The whole church in David's day was knocking knees and scared to death. And he says, why is this going on? Boom, Gideon, you got too many. You got too many members in your church. Get rid of those people. I want 300. You see? Are you following me? He doesn't need a crowd. So my point is, To encourage us, and I don't think I lost, I can't lose that paper, that'd be terrible. I found it. (laughs) And you can too. (laughs) John Ortberg, persona non grata now, but wrote some wonderful things. And one of his books was, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, don't worry about who's flaking off and not doing anything or whatever it is. Little flock, rise up. Rise up. We love this. We put this in the bulletin at Union Center once. Listen to this. To sinful patterns of behavior that never got confronted and changed. Abilities and gifts that never get cultivated and deployed. Gifts. Until weeks become months and months turn to years. And one day you're looking back on a life of deep, intimate, gut-wrenchingly honest conversations you never had. Great bold prayers you never prayed. Exhilarating risks you never took. Sacrificial gifts you never offered. Lives you never touched. And you're sitting in a recliner with a shriveled soul and forgotten dreams. And you realize that there was a world of desperate need and a great God, listen, calling you to be part of something bigger than yourself. Wow. The things of earth. Compete for the allegiance I own only to the giver of all good things. You see the person you could have become but did not. You never followed your calling. You never got out of the boat. Don't do that. Jump on. Get on the boat. Or out of the boat. Or on the bandwagon. Rise up, little flock, right here. Let's pray. I want ten minutes over time. I'm going to pay for that one. Let's pray. Blessed Lord Jesus my thanks and praise goes to you because you're the savior. You're the sanctifier. You're the one who's expanding his kingdom in this world. And Lord, you give us the privilege, not the boring, dreadful duty, although sometimes it feels that way, the privilege of being co-laborers with God. Help the little flock, God, Let them hear clearly. Raise them up with power and authority. Learning how to lay hold of you so that we don't take no for an answer on the most important things. Help us, we pray. In the great name of Jesus, we ask, and all of God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen.